0: Show brought to you by JohnPielli.com, by St. Aloysius Church and School in Jackson, New Jersey, by Two Ways, One Passion Food Truck located in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Handful of stuff we're going to get into today in a world of baseball sports and unified American, as always. Happy to be with you. I was thinking about, you know, as we're getting towards the end of the baseball season, you know, where it's obviously a bizarre season, I still have a hard time grasping the concept that 16 out of the 30 MLB teams will be. In the postseason. And I'm going to talk about a team that's probably on the outside looking in and the possibility of what they should be doing going forward. Um, I want to get into the voting as it exists for the NBA most valuable player, um, all defensive player, the best defensive player in the NBA. Um, Obviously, there's very limited criteria that's set. It's just something that gets announced And I think LeBron James has a little bit of a legitimate gripe with the consistency or at least taking a shot at the ability for the voting to be as consistent as it needs to be year in and year out. But I wanted to start out by talking about next year, free agency, Major League Baseball. There's one player out there that has stood out that has become the Bryce Harper or the high... Ticket top prize when it comes to free agency in the 2020 offseason, getting ready for the 2021 Major League season. And that's Trevor Bauer of the Cincinnati Reds. And Trevor Bauer has gone, you know, about it his own way. There's some quirky things about Trevor Bauer. He's obviously very outspoken. Um, Some of his practices and the way that he goes about playing baseball, you know, have rubbed organizations the wrong way. That's why he was traded out of Arizona to Cleveland. Obviously, you know about the last moment on the mound as a member of the Cleveland Indians consisted of manager Terry Francona going out to take him out of a game and Bauer taking a ball and flinging it as far as he can over the center field fence. So there are some peculiar things about Trevor Bauer, but one thing that has remained constant through the 2020 season is he has legitimately become the top prize and what's going to be a very interesting free agency period after the 2020 baseball season now listen I'm excited about what comes ahead I don't love that there's 16 teams going to be in the postseason but it's going to be interesting it's going to be something that I feel I'm going to be glued to because I'm interested to see how this works out but you know that team that doesn't win the World Series in 2020 I've asked before is it As much of a disappointment to not win the whole thing this year, as opposed to in, you know, your average 162-game season, you know, to not win the World Series this year, I think it would be an easier sell to first your fan base, the fans which, by the way, have not been able to come to a major league ballpark all season, the shortened 60 games as opposed to a regular 162 games. And then all the weird things that baseball has instituted from the seven-inning doubleheaders to the runner at second base, you know, starting uh, extra innings. All these different rule changes, which kind of make baseball not seem like a regular, legitimate baseball season. Is it worth it to put an asterisk on this season? I think only time will tell. I think it'll be easier to do that initially. It'll be easier to put an asterisk on this season and say, listen, it's just bizarre the way it happened. Maybe it shouldn't count as much as a regular baseball season. It'll be easier to say that once this season's over. But let's get into 2021. Let's get into 2025, 2030. Years down the road, when we look back on it, are we going to look at it more as a shortened season like 1995 was? Albert Bell hit 50 home runs and 50 doubles in a 962-game season. The 1981 split season, which had two teams in the National League, the Cincinnati Reds and the St. Louis Cardinals, both win more games than any other team in their divisions and not make the playoffs because the season split the set and set the way it was. We don't look back on it and say that that season didn't count as much and the Dodgers are not as much of a World Series champion as any other team before it or after it. So I think as time goes by, the same thing is going to kind of apply to this 2020 baseball season. But back to what I was talking about, Trevor Bauer, probably at this point, you know, pretty much has it in his own hands to win the Cy Young in the National League. Leads the league in ERA. He's basically just going out there and dominating every time out. You know, you want to talk about the season that Hugh Darvish has had. You want to talk about Jacob DeGrom and the chance that he has to win his third straight Cy Young. Bauer has pretty much taken the mantle and run with it. I'd be surprised if he didn't win a Cy Young this season. And obviously, it doesn't work out any better for Trevor Bauer, who has waited. He had opportunities with the Cleveland Indians to sign what would have probably been a team-friendly extension to remain in Cleveland for a couple more years to maybe buy out some of his arbitration years and get them into a fixed salary. But Bauer decides he wants to go each year and get the most amount of money that he possibly can as he gets set to free agency. And it's going to culminate with the opportunity to be on the open market and be probably without a doubt, I think without a doubt, Maybe something will change before here and the season ends, but I think he will be the most sought-after player in free agency. The opportunity to go out there in free agency and get well over $200 million in his next contract. And I don't think there's going to be any shortage of suitors when it comes to the amount of major league teams that are going to be in on trying to get Trevor Bauer, not just to add to your pitching staff, but to be your bona fide number one ace which I think he's proven this year, any doubts that existed before this season, have been put away right now. Now, I was listening to Trevor Bauer and some of the comments that he was was asked about free agency, and I know he wants to be diplomatic in his response, and I know anybody that's asked about free agency is going to try to make it about everything other than money, but I hate to break it to you. You already know this. Free agency is about money. And when somebody is asked, what are they looking for in their next suitor, it looks very selfish. It looks very bad for that player if they say, I'm looking for the most years and the most money and the highest average annual value. Maybe the highest average annual value over total money which is a possibility, but in the end, that player wants the most lucrative contract that they can get in free agency. That's why they've waited this long to become a free agent. Now, what we've done through the media, through the general public, is we've tried to shame you know, teams and players that go out there and want to get the most money, want to make the most money in a contract. That's possible. And we almost set them up to speak in ways that they don't really believe. Trevor Bauer's talking about analytics departments of teams in Major League Baseball, training staffs, all things that I think are important and things that I think he is going to consider, but none of those things are going to take the precedence over the most amount of money. And like I said, he's going to have a choice probably to take the most money per year, average annual value, or the most money or total money in the entire contract. Which is a legitimate back and forth that you could have, a debate you could have with you and your agent to try to figure out what's better. Should I take a five-year contract that's going to pay me almost $40 million a season, or should I take an eight-year contract that's going to pay me closer to about 32 or $33 million a season? Both of them are very good. Both of them will make him amongst the highest paid players in all of baseball and probably the highest paid pitcher in baseball. You know, Garrett Cole's contract's well over 300000000 million. We'll see where Bowers ends up getting. But to make it about anything else other than money, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't think he's trying to be deceptive. I don't think he's trying to trick anybody. But I think a lot of it has to do with the opinion of the general public and somebody that doesn't want to go out there and say something that's unpopular. And the most unpopular thing a player can say when it comes to what they're looking for in the upcoming pending free agency is money. And if Trevor Bauer went out there and said that he's looking for the most money that he could get over the long term of a contract or or the highest average annual value that he could get over the course of his next deal then he he looks like he's selfish. He looks like all he cares about is money. So the general public and the media is basically setting him up that if he tells the truth, which by the way we already know that every free agent is looking for the most money, that player doesn't, you know, look Great in the public's eyes. But all I could say is those in the general public, you have the opportunity to make a lot of money in any sort of field. Whatever it is that you do, whatever it is that you want to do, whatever it is that at some point in your life you've aspired to do. What is the goal? The goal is to make the best living, to earn the most income. And yeah, if you could luck out and do it, and do it by doing something that you love, you'd end up winning completely. This copyright and broadcast is authorized under internet rights granted by the World Wide Web and solely for entertainment of our audience. Any publication, reproduction, or other use of the pictures, descriptions, and accounts of this show without the express written consent of the Passball show. JohnPielli.com and JohnPielli LLC is prohibited. Any commercial use of the program, such as by charge and admission for its showing, is similarly prohibited. So if you do see the camera move at some point, it's uh, one of those self-correcting things that I'm trying to do. And hopefully the wire that I have that's set from my microphone to my camera is gonna keep me to stay as still as I can be. I have the tendency, especially when I get excited, to bounce back and forth. And I'm hoping to reduce that. So if the camera goes off, it's probably because I didn't listen to my own advice. But I was thinking about the Mets and their 2020 season, which doesn't look like it's going to end too well for them. Um, obviously, good news if you're a Mets fan. You have a new owner expected to be coming in, taking over the team from the Wilpons. Steve Cohen just needs to get approval for Major League owners, 23 out of the remaining 29 owners. If he could get that vote at the baseball winner meetings this year, he will become the majority owner of the New York Mets. It'll be his team and maybe will be the time or the start of a new era. A lot of people are saying Steve Cohen will be easily the richest owner or the owner in all professional sports that is worth the most money. So he's got money. He's going to spend it on players. And I'm not 100% sure that that's going to be the case. Is he going to go out there and just buy Trevor Bauer and Marcus Stroman and find you know JT Romuto and every free agent that's out there that could help the team? He's going to go just give him the biggest contract, bring him into the New York Mets. I think it would be the most ideal scenario if you were a New York Mets fan. But if you watch the Yankees of the 1980s, they spent a ton of money in free agency, didn't win a World Series championship that year. The Yankees of the 2010s spent the most money in free agency amongst any other team in the sport, didn't win themselves a World Series championship. And I'm not here to pick on the Yankees, but you can look at a lot of other situations where teams have upped their payroll significantly, have spent more than any other team in the sport, and it hasn't guaranteed a World Series championship. So what should you do? If you're the New York Mets going forward, a lot of it's going to have to do what what Steve Cohen wants. Is Steve Cohen going to keep general manager Brody Van Wagen in a board? And, you know, what exactly is the plan? The plan should be based off of the younger offensive players that they have in the lineup. And the way the team is set up would probably be a push towards win now, as opposed to going through a full rebuild. Now, one of the things that the Mets lack, and a lot of it has to do with the actions over the last couple off seasons of general manager Brody Van Wagenen, is the Mets farm system is not as strong as it was a couple years ago. There's been a lot of talent that's been traded from it. And if you think of the next up and coming players, they're probably at least two, three, four years away, while the players that are up at the major league level, their average age really isn't. Too high. You think of Michael Conforto and Brandon Nimmo being some of the elder statesmen, not named Robinson Cano, and other players, of course, like Pete Alonso and Jeff McNeil, and, of course, Ahmed Rosario and Andres Jimenez and J.D. Davis. And, you know, you think of the younger players that are on this team. Dominic Smith and a great year that he's having. So if you're going to get yourself in a position to want to win next year, you'd probably tackle free agency. Now, if you're going to tackle free agency, maybe Steve Cohen says, hey, I don't care about the luxury tax. Uh, I'll up my payroll for, you know, 60 million and have to pay the penalties over the next couple of seasons. Or maybe he decides not to do that. I'm about to talk about something that's not going to be popular I'm going to talk about something that will probably piss off a lot of Mets fans by me suggesting it. But all I ask is hear me out. Here are a couple reasons why I may go out here and suggest this. The Mets don't have a bigger asset in their organization than Jacob deGrom. Jacob deGrom has a value right now that will never be topped. And I'm just talking about Trevor Bauer probably being the favorite to win the Cy Young this year. And you know, I don't think it's crazy to say that. DeGrom will be in the mix. I wouldn't be shocked if he was in the top three when you talk about the finalist. You know, maybe him and Darvish and Bauer. And I think Bauer will win it pretty going away unless DeGrom goes out there and throws a no-hitter or something in his next start or two. But that being said, Jacob DeGrom has been the best pitcher in baseball over the last three years. The two Cy Youngs this year, right up on the cusp of winning a third straight Cy Young. Listen, he could pitch as well as he has over the last couple of years. It still might not be as good as he's pitched this year or last year or the year before. Now, you're talking about studying the market, which obviously Steve Cohen has a lot of experience doing. You have an asset that will never be worth any more than it is right now. And I've gone this far without saying it because I know as soon as I say it, fans are going to be pretty pissed off. You don't have to be a Mets fan to be pissed off at me for saying this. What if the Mets entertained the possibility of trading Jacob DeGrom? And I understand you're talking about another, what, three, four years left on the contract that he just signed. Hope is if you're a Mets fan that you have a player like this that could be a franchise player could spend the rest of his career with the New York Mets. I was looking at longevity when it comes to most consecutive seasons played for the New York Mets without playing for anybody else. And you got Ed Cranepool, you got David Wright, and then the next player that comes out there is a backup catcher by the name of Ron Hodges. So outside of that, there's been nobody that has spent any longer with the Mets consecutively has started his career and ended his career with the same team. Tom Seaver, who, of course, you know, we're within a couple weeks of just losing him, which is unfortunate. Sad that we lost a great, a baseball great, not just a Met great. And one of the things that sucked about looking back at Tom Seaver's career is he didn't get a chance to start it and end it with the New York Mets. The trade that was made in 1976 Tom Seaver to the Reds, for Pat Zachary, Dan Norman, Steve Henderson, and Doug Flynn, obviously was not a good trade for the New York Mets. And to entertain the possibility of trading Jacob deGrom will bring back memories like that. Now, when I suggest consider trading Jacob deGrom, more than likely it's not going to result in a Jacob deGrom trade because I'm up in the ante. And I'm asking any team that is going to consider a trade for Jacob deGrom to part with an absolute significant package. And I have 10 teams right here with 10 packages of five players that I want back for Jacob deGrom if we're going to make a trade. Now, if you're a fan of any one of these other 10 teams, odds are once I make this suggestion, you're going to say, you know, you can have Jacob deGrom. But I'm talking about a two-time defending Cy Young Award winner who will have a chance, a small chance, but still a chance of winning his third straight Cy Young. He's been the best pitcher in baseball over the past three years. Now, most of these teams do not have a pitcher that's on the planet of Jacob deGrom, though a couple do. But if you're not going to go out there and spend on Trevor Bauer and free agency, maybe if Jacob deGrom was available, you'd consider pulling off one of these trades. Now, each one of these trade proposals have something in common. I want four pitchers, most likely in most scenarios, two starters and two relievers, but you know, some of the packages differ, and I want one significant position player back. So a total of five players understand that if Jacob deGrom is, the possibility will even exist of him being traded from the New York Mets, The Mets are going to ask for a five-player package back headlined by four pitchers. So the first team I want to talk about is the Tampa Bay Rays. And the Tampa Bay Rays obviously have a great farm system, some very good potential major league ready pitchers. And if I'm the Mets, I ask for Brett Honeywell. I'll ask for Brandon McKay, Brandon McKay, Shane Baz, Nick Bitsco. And shortstop Greg Jones was the team number one overall pick in 2019. Now, if I'm the Tampa Bay Rays, I'd probably say no. But if you think about it from the Rays' perspective, you add Jacob DeGrom to lead a staff that has Blake Snell and has Tyler Glass now. And you talk Charlie Morton into coming back for another season in 2021. You know, you're talking about a team that has a legitimate chance of winning a World Series. And I think the Rays, with their small market mentality, it's got them to this point. But the team that they have right now, outside of a shortened season, like a 60-game season, I don't think over the course of 162 in a postseason has the ability to win the World Series. With Jacob deGrom, I think they will. Another team I want to talk about in that same boat is the Oakland Athletics. And the Oakland Athletics, you know Moneyball, you know the whole philosophy that other teams have picked off of them, obviously originated with Billy Bean and started before that with Sandy Alderson. The Athletics, once again, year in and year out, have a team that's right up on the cusp. When it comes to their players playing out, getting a free agency, They don't have the wherewithal or the ability through their finances to be able to keep their players long-term. They go out there and they say, hey, this is an investment on Jacob DeGrom the next three, four seasons. And if I'm the Mets, I go out there and say, I want A.J. Puck, Jesus Lazardo, Dalton Jeffries, Jeff Criswell. And the position player is going to be a catcher, and I want Tyler Soderstrom in in that deal. The athletics, like I said, may say no, but at least this is a fair proposal if I'm looking for who we should all consider the best pitcher in baseball. I, I'll talk about the Chicago White Sox, who to me are that team that is so close. They've went out there, they've signed Dallas Keuchel, they've developed their own pitchers that they've gotten in trades, whether it's a guy like a uh, you know, the guy that threw the no-hitter this year. And I don't know why his name's escaping me. But, you know, you think of this team right on the borderline of being able to go out there and win themselves a World Series. They got great offensive players. They even got very good young pitchers in their system still. And the White Sox, if they added Jacob DeGrom to the mix, I think they'd be in a great position to win the World Series. You know, now, if I'm the Mets, I want number one over first-round pick this year, Garrett Crochet, I want Dane Dunning, Michael Coppish, Jared Kelly, and infielder Nick Madrigal. And if he put a package like that together for Jacob DeGrom, I think it would be fair. But once again, the White Sox, who I think could benefit the most for a trade like this, I don't know if they'd want to be willing and able to part with the assets that I'm suggesting. The Houston Astros lost Garrett Cole as a free agent. And you think of the one-two punch of Verlander and Cole. And the Astros will probably make the playoffs this year, but they're not expected to make the kind of noise that they made last year, which they were within a couple breaks of winning the World Series, which would have been their second in three years. Would they be out there looking for a pitcher to be a 1A or an ace to be right there with Verlander and – Rather than go out there and pay the money for Trevor Bauer, which is almost going to cost the same amount as it would have cost them to keep Garrett Cole. They decided against keeping Garrett Cole. I don't think they're going to go out there and give the money to Trevor Bauer that he'd be looking for. So a DeGrom trade to the Houston Astros would consist of Forrest Whitley, Jose Urquidy, Alex Santos, Jairo Salas, and then catcher, Corey Lee. Now, Forrest Whitley is their number one pitching prospect. He's somebody that's expected to be a potential mid-to-high rotation guy. And I think there's a lot of potential in the other pitchers there. Now, from the Mets' perspective, and I haven't really talked about this, the why would you want to trade Jacob DeGrom? Well, I think, number one, you free DeGrom's contract for a considerable return which if you looked at what I've asked in return in a couple packages that I've talked about from Tampa Bay, from from Houston, and Chicago, respectively, it strengthens their farm system, gives them a ton of young pitching that they're going to have, hopefully, on their pitching staff for years to come. And, oh, yeah, frees up money if they want to go out there and sign Trevor Bauer or they decide that they want to bring back Marcus Stroman. They go out there and do that. Obviously, you could have DeGrom and Bauer and Strowman if you're Steve Cohen and you're just flipping money around. But if you want to strengthen your farm system, have some good young pitching to go with your young hitting, I don't think it's insane to suggest it at this point. And I know a lot of people, like I said, they're already pissed at me. They probably turn the show off because they don't want to hear about anybody talking about the possibility of trading Jacob DeGrom. Now, Based off the returns, I think it would open up some eyes if some of you had listened and say, "Hey, you know, it's a nice return you get back from Tampa Bay. It's a nice return you get back from Oakland or Houston or Chicago." And obviously, some of them will be better than others. But when it you, it comes down to it, you think of the player and obviously how much he means for the franchise. And when it's all said and done, would I have the balls to pull the trigger? The answer would probably be no, because there would be a huge risk involved. I don't know if Dan Norman, Doug Flynn, Steve Henderson, and Pat Zachary were thought about to be as bad as they ended up turning up. Steve Henderson hit a couple home runs. Doug Flynn made an all-star team. They certainly didn't get the value of Tom Seaver when they traded him. And the fear would exist that no matter what the package would be coming back, will these players ever live up to what they would end up being traded for? And you look at a team like Seattle, and I throw this out there as a joke, and I ended up putting 10 total proposals together. I don't know if I'm really going to go through all of them, but maybe I'll post them up on my website, johnpiele.com. I want to put a couple just to entertain you. How about a possibility of a Jacob deGrom trade to the Seattle Mariners? Now, you're talking about two really good outfield prospects that they have. One of them, his name is Jared Kelenic. And Kelenic was a player that a lot of fans still believe was can't miss when it comes to the New York Mets. And Kelenic obviously goes right to the top when it comes to the best and top prospects in all of Major League Baseball. And, you know, you would expect, hey, if the Mets were making a trade with the Seattle Mariners, why would you not trade back for Jared Kalanick? Now I want to make this fair for the other teams. And I think it would be If if you really wanted to make it fair, as I'm obviously trying to do more than one thing at one time and I can't do it, you know, you think about the possibility, and I apologize before, uh, the pitcher I was thinking about is Lucas Giolito, who took me about 10 minutes to actually get him in my head. But imagine a White Sox rotation with Giolito and Jacob DeGrom. That would be pretty pretty insane. Dallas Keuchel, a little Gio Gonzalez, and anybody else that you want to slide in there, Ronaldo Lopez. I think it would be worth it if you were the White Sox to trade Garrett Crochet, Dane Dunning. Michael Koppish, Jared Kelly, and Nick Madrigal to the Mets in this deal. But as I'm thinking about it, you got the Seattle Mariners. They would want to hold on to Kellinick. They got another outfield prospect that I couldn't look up as we speak that they're going to hold on to. Their first baseman, Kyle Lewis, is out there. He's going to be a star. A lot of the other players that... They're looking at to be part of their future are up there at the major league level, the J.P. Crawfords of the world. So what would a package for Jacob DeGrom look like with the Seattle Mariners? You know that Jerry DePoto, yes, he wants to have a nice rebuild. He wants to build his team to win for years. But you know, he can't hold back the urge of making a trade. Now, he's made a lot of trades to try to improve the Mariners that haven't worked. He's made a lot of trades to subtract players and get younger. Some of them look like they've produced a little bit of fruit. So if I was Jerry DiPoto and Brody Van Wagenen, assuming he's still the general manager of the Mets after this season, here's the deal that I would propose. The Mets would get back Justin Dunn. The Mets would get the other top pitching prospect that the Seattle Mariners have in George Kirby. I'd want Emerson Hancock, Logan Gilbert, were two first-round draft picks over the last couple of years, and catcher Kyle Raleigh in return. You got a catching prospect, like I said, four really good young pitchers. Is it enough? I don't know. Like I said, gun to my head, I think of the the sentimental value that Jacob Degrom has for the Mets, and I lean towards not doing it. Yankee fans I know are listening to the program. I'm sure you'd want to hear what the Yankee Met proposal would be. And I will preface this by saying that the Mets and Yankees will never agree on a trade so significant. You may see a half-ass trade, you know, that uh, Anderson Garcia for Armando Benitez, the Robin Ventura for David Justice, the Frank Tanana for Kenny Greer. Those very minor trades that don't mean anything, but any trade that's going to involve a franchise type of player like Jacob DeGrom will never, ever happen. No Noah Syndergaard, no Jacob DeGrom, but just for shits and giggles, let's throw this out there. Let's say that um, you wanted to match up on a trade. If you're the Yankees, you end up parting with Davey Garcia, a guy who has had prominence already, has succeeded as being a pitcher in the Yankees rotation. Would you be so anxious to want to trade him? I would think not, but he'd have to be included in this deal. Clark Schmidt, your other top pitching prospect. He's pitched a little in the majors, but, you know, we'll probably get a full chance to be a major league pitcher in 2021. You know, Yankee fans may not want to part with their top two pitching prospects. And I'm also suggesting Nick Nelson. I'm also suggesting TJ Sikima. Four of the Yankees' top pitching prospects going to the Mets for Jacob DeGrom. And if you're a Yankee fan, whoa, 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 wait. It gets worse. The Yankees' top catching prospect is a first-round draft pick by the name of Austin Wells. He'd be heading to the other borough as well. So, like I said, every one of these deals is a five-for-one deal with four top pitching prospects and a significant position player. But if you're the Yankees, you get Jacob DeGrom. You got Garrett Cole and Jacob DeGrom and a returning um, you know, pitcher that is coming off of Tommy John surgery. Not a bad rotation if you're the New York Yankees. But there's no way this would ever happen. A couple more I wanted to throw out there before we get into talk a little NBA, talk a little LeBron James, talk a little MVP award. Where is it really coming from? The Dodgers, Dustin May, Hosea Gray, Brewstar star Gratterall, Bobby Miller, and catcher Will Smith would go back in a deal for Jacob DeGrom. The Padres, Mackenzie Gore, Ryan Weathers, Luis Patina, Cole Wilcox, catcher Luis Capusano. How about the Braves? Ian Anderson, who is going to make a case for Rookie of the Year. He's been that good. Uh, Bryce Wilson, Jared Schuster, Kyle Muller, and catcher Shea Langeers. Oh, Langeers. And then the last one I'll throw out there. Did I do them all? Uh, Cincinnati Reds, there you go. Hunter Green, Nick Lodolo, Amir Garrett, who was really the only legitimate major league player. I mean, some of the other players are up in the major leagues, but Garrett's been up in the major leagues for a couple seasons. Um, Tony Santillian and catcher Tyler Stevenson. Huge hauls, And in most cases, you're going to get a no from the other team. But I think if you're Brody Van Wagenen, if you're whoever else is running the New York Mets, if you're Steve Cohen and you're making these decisions, I'd at least entertain the possibility of trading Jacob DeGrom and of course the Yankees you're thinking of a rotation of Garrett Cole and Jacob DeGrom and Luis Severino and maybe you don't bring back James Paxton you still got Masahiro Tanaka you're talking about an old time pitching staff there potentially so as we hit what we'll call the closing point of the passball show, brought to you by JohnPLA.com, by St. I Church and School in Jackson, New Jersey, by Two Ways, One Passion Food Truck located in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Uh, Giannis Akuna Tampa will win the MVP Award in the National Basketball Association. And I think most people would agree that the Greek freak was that dominant this year, was probably the best player in the NBA. You look at where he took that Bucks team and what the Milwaukee Bucks team would be without him. And obviously, we know it's a regular season award, but we saw it ha- happen firsthand. Giannis got hurt, and that Milwaukee team was not as good. All of a sudden, they're struggling against the Miami Heat who end up beating them. And you're talking about a disappointing season again for the Milwaukee Bucks. And you think of what Giannis means to that team. And you also factor in what LeBron James means to the Los Angeles Lakers. What LeBron James meant to the Cleveland Cavaliers all those years that he played for them. What LeBron James meant for the Miami Heat in the four seasons that he spent in Miami. If you're talking about a player that's right up on that level and nobody would be mad or pissed off at if he won the MVP, it certainly would be LeBron James. He has transformed almost single-handedly, but with a lot of help from Anthony Davis. That Los Angeles Lakers team, which was a bubble team, a 7-8 seed before the two of them got there, all of a sudden is a legitimate title contender and can be expected to win the NBA championship this year. They play in Denver. They'll play the winner of the Miami-Boston series. And if you're going to put money on who the favorite should be, it should be the Los Angeles Lakers. Will they win? We'll find out over the next couple weeks. But thinking about LeBron James's value to the Los Angeles Lakers, it hurt him a little bit that he had a solid number two player. Probably the best number two player in the entire NBA that isn't the number one star on their own team and Anthony Davis. Now, LeBron is great. LeBron is a leader on the court. He brings the ball up. He Rebounds. He distributes the ball. He's like a coach on the court. He's the best player in the NBA still at this point of his career. Once again, nobody's really upset or up in arms that Giannis won the MVP this year. But LeBron, as he was talking about it, I know the title of what he said is LeBron says it pissed me off. But wasn't really referring to the fact that he didn't win the most valuable player award. LeBron got 16 votes out of the 100-plus that were out there with Giannis getting the other 85. He thought maybe it should be distributed a little bit differently, a little bit closer. Maybe he felt that Giannis should have been the MVP, but he should have received more first-place votes, you know, he being LeBron. That doesn't come off as bad as what the title of an article would say. LeBron then got to talk about defensive player of the year in 2012, when he lost it to a player that was not even the first NBA defensive team. You know, he's talking about the voting process and the fact that it isn't very public. It's this private thing that gets put together, and it doesn't seem to be any rhyme or reason to it. He says, as time has gone by, there really is no set consistency. A player, if they want to be up for the award really has no set understanding of what the criteria needs to be to win a given award, because it changes so frequently. And to all that, I agree about. And you talk about one of the things that bothered me too, is that they have it tallied and set up and announced before it's announced. You know, you hear that Giannis is going to win the most valuable player award, but you know, the announcement isn't going to be for another two days. Why don't you just make the announcement when you know it's going to go public? That's neither here nor there. A little bit of a recap of the passball show. And as always, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. The PBS is brought to you by JohnPLA.com, by St. Aloysius Church and School in Jackson, New Jersey, by Two Ways, One Passion Food Truck located in Scranton, Pennsylvania. We're talking about Trevor Bauer giving an interview about what he's looking for in free agency. And let's be serious. The media, the general public. They set up players to fail in these type of spotlights because there's only one answer. What are you looking for in free agency? You're looking for the most lucrative contract. You're looking for the most amount of money. You may be looking for either the most guaranteed money over the term of the deal or the highest average annual value over the course of a contract. You're looking for one or the other, but if you're looking for either one, you're looking for the money. And if you say you're looking for the most money, You're viewed as a selfish individual, that that's all you care about. So you're forced into saying things that you don't really mean. And Trevor Bauer said things that he didn't mean. Yes, analytics department of his next employer can play a role. Uh, Training staff that they have, their medical practice of how they rehab their pitchers can have a say. But it's not going to lead him to team A over team B. When team B is offering a significant less amount of money, it is going to come down to the money. And Trevor Bauer has earned this opportunity in free agency, just like Reggie Jackson earned it. Just like Albert Pujols earned it. Just like Bryce Harper earned it. Just like every other player that has reached free agency since the Peter Seitz decision of 1976. He deserves the most lucrative contract that he could get. And that's what he's looking for. These other things, if you're talking about matching offers, let's say eight years, you know, $270 million contracts from team A to team B, then yes, he'll start looking at things like analytics staff. He'll look at things like training staff and rehab coordinators. That may be a tiebreaker, but money is going to have a lot to do with where Trevor Bauer ends up next season. I put some trade possibilities for the Mets and Jacob DeGrom out there. And like I said, I don't expect it to happen. I'm not even really proposing that it should happen. But I think it should be considered. If you're Steve Cohen, if you're Brody Van Wagenen, if you're whoever's running the Mets this offseason going into the year of 2021, you have an asset that has value that will never match how much Jacob DeGrom is worth right now. And I'd at least consider it. I'd at least take five player offers that I'm going to write up myself and want four pitchers and a legitimate position player prospect coming back, all players that I expect to help my team going forward. And like I said, yeah. you, know, you take Jake's contract, he's off the books. All of a sudden you go out there and you maybe you sign Trevor Bauer or Marcus Stroman. You extend Michael Conforto and Noah Syndergaard, and Pete Alonzo. You start investing the money that you have into your own team. And like I said, the other side of it is Jake's chance to be a Met for his entire career. You talk about Crane and Wright and Ron Hodges on this, uh, uh, I guess you'd call Mount Rushmore of Mets to start and finish their career with the New York Mets. Could Jacob DeGrom be the fourth? Those are all valid points. But if you think about some possibilities of rating, not just the farm system, but major league-ready pitchers, you look at a a starting rotation that, without Jacob deGrom next year, could potentially be better than the one we're looking at right now. Jake and an injured Noah Syndergaard, a terrible Steven Matz, a subpar Rick Porcello, Michael Waka is not a a major league-ready starter at this point of his career. Seth Lugo, I still believe, is a reliever. And you look at a rotation that could have Brett Honeywell and Brennan McKay, and then you add Syndergaard and maybe a Marcus Stroman. All of a sudden, that looks a little bit better than a top-heavy rotation that's centered around just Jake. Last thing we spoke about, LeBron James being a little upset with the process of the voting as they exist for awards in the NBA. And, you know, some people are down on LeBron James. Some people look at him as a little bit of a complainer. Some people look at LeBron James as being perhaps a tough leader of a team or a tough teammate. But if you go that route, he's no different than Kobe Bryant. He's no different than Michael Jordan was. He's no different than Larry Bird or Will Chamberlain. The best players in the sport or the best players on the team that are the best players in the sport have always had the tendency of being tough teammates. They've always had the tendency to expect a lot out of the players that are playing with them. So you can say whatever you want about LeBron James. He's been the best player in the sport for the past almost two decades. And where he ranks right now, he is still a legitimate MVP candidate this past year. Did he win the award? No. Was the voting nowhere near in his favor? Yes. I don't think he had much of a gripe when it came to the award, but when he talks about different things that have happened and the inconsistency of the votes as they go for different awards, I think he makes some sense. I don't think there really is a set criteria when it comes to the NBA and the votes for the different awards that they have. I think they should straighten that. They should at least consider what the criteria is so the players know what the criteria is before they're voted upon. This is the Passball Show, once again, brought to you by JohnPielli.com, by St. August's Church and School in Jackson, New Jersey, by Two Ways, One Passion Food Truck, located in Scranton, Pennsylvania. We'll be back with you next week, speaking about everything going on in the world of baseball, sports, and unifying America. God bless you, and as always, I'll see you on the other side.